We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, January the 4th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 4, 1965, President Lyndon B. Johnson delivered his State of the Union address. In the address, he outlined his goals for America. He called his goals the Great Society. It's interesting. He said he was going to help the poor. In fact, he said he was going to defeat poverty. Cato Institute, they're a libertarian think tank organization, they recently did a study on this. Their study found that since the Johnson administration back in uh, 1965, the United States has spent almost $15 trillion on welfare with poverty rates being almost exactly the same per capita as during the Johnson administration. What that tells us is that money can't solve problems. Oh, it helps, but it's not not the complete answer. One of the lasting effects of the Great Society, this was the first really kind of the the introduction of far-left progressivism in America in on that scale. One of the remaining lasting effects of the Great Society is school liberties. That's what they call it. As a result of the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965, which was part of the Great Society, immigration from Asia and Latin America has skyrocketed. You may have noticed. Today in 1904, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Puerto Ricans were not aliens and could enter the United States freely. However, the court stopped short of declaring them citizens. Puerto Ricans received U.S. citizenship in March of 1917. Today in 1935, President Franklin D. Roosevelt in his State of the Union address called for legislation to provide assistance to the jobless, the elderly, the impoverished children, and the handicapped. Today, in 1936, Billboard magazine published its first music hit parade. Today, in 1964, Pope Paul VI began his visit to the Holy Land. It was the first papal pilgrimage of its kind. The Catholic Church is not terribly kind toward the Jews, If you're a Catholic, you know that. If you're not, you may not have known that. So this was significant. And it's significant that as long as the Catholic Church has been in existence, 1964 was the first time that a pope had visited the Holy Land. Today, 1974, President Richard Nixon refused to hand over tape recordings and documents subpoenaed by the Senate Watergate Committee. Today in 1999, former wrestler, professional wrestler, Jesse Ventura took the oath of office as Minnesota's governor. Jesse was known and still is as Jesse the Body 
Ventura. It seemed to me that when he took office, and I kind of paid attention to that because, well, I think most of us did. It was kind of interesting. It's good that he had a great body because his mind didn't seem to be up to the job. At least that's my opinion. Today in 2007, Nancy Pelosi was elected the first female Speaker of the House Representatives as Democrats took control of Congress. She was elected again yesterday as once again Speaker of the House, but this by the narrowest vote in 20 years. She barely was able to crawl back into that chair that she loved so much right behind the president. Five years ago today, the Justice Department sued Volkswagen over emissions cheating software that was found in nearly 600,000 vehicles sold in the United States. It's good to be back. I took a week off last week, as you know, if you're a regular listener to this program, and um, it was great. I was got some things done. My wife had this list. I wasn't anticipating a list when I took off a week. But she had this list that she said she's been making because I haven't taken much time. Well, we hadn't taken time off this program since last Christmas, I realized as I began thinking about it. A whole year without a break is, um, it, may be, it may show some signs of, um, but I, of, of, you know, maybe tenacity or something, but it also may not be the wisest thing I've ever done. Taking a week off helps you to kind of regroup and reset is a word that's often used today. So anyway, thank you for standing with us this last week financially. I was a little bit concerned about it, not terribly concerned because I know the listenership and I know those of you by name and by your comments and so on. And some of you I know personally who support this ministry. Thank you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. But it's good to be back. I missed you. It's good to be back today. A lot is happening in our culture, for sure. I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope that even with these unusual circumstances here in America, you were able to celebrate fully from the heart the birth of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, who came to earth, became flesh, dwelt among us, gave his life because... You sinned, and so did I, and we needed a Savior. And we have a Savior, if we'll just accept him. That's all we have to do is accept Jesus Christ as who he said he was, the Son of God, and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God and that he rose from the dead after he was crucified and killed, that he was killed for our sins. He then becomes your Savior according to Scripture. So that makes every Christmas special regardless of the circumstances. But I will tell you, the Christians in China, if you look at just simply the outward exterior part of Christmas, it was not good for them. There's reports coming out of China that pastors and priests were told not to lead Christmas celebrations of any kind, not only inside of houses of worship, but from private residences. China has now stopped calling churches generally and formally, the, the communist government 
has stopped calling churches uh, uh, churches. They're calling them houses of worship. And uh, they were forbidding Christians to even celebrate Christmas in the privacy of their own homes. And they incent people who live next to them to report people who do that, celebrate Christmas, to the government. There was a sign outside of one church gate that read, quote, due to the pandemic, all church activities have been halted. They're using this pandemic thing in China, continuing to use it. They created it to stop churches from functioning. Even Chinese schools informed students that Christmas could not be observed. They couldn't even exchange gifts. The Christians who were in the Chinese communist schools, state-run schools, Shenzhen University, it's located in Nashan District, it informed staff that students were forbidden from holding Christmas activities, hanging Christmas flyers, or even showing Christmas displays on the campus. Ironically, ironically, financial institutions and, and periodicals are reporting that China took a larger profit this year due to an uptick in consumers purchasing cheaper China-made Christmas products as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. The Global Times, that's owned by the Communist Chinese Communist Party, they're reporting that 80% of the world's Christmas products are manufactured in China, the place that will not allow Christmas to even be recognized by the citizens. President Ping's regime, their rules and regulations proved to be the most prosperous thing they've done this year as Christians refrained from celebrating the holiday in honor of communism and the country increased their profit by selling more locally made, Chinese-made products to America, Europe, and Australia and elsewhere. The very thing they're trying to kill is what they made the most profit on. That's how screwed up our world can get when we are marching to any drumbeat other than the truth of God's word. And that seems to be kind of where we are in many respects in our world today. I don't know about you, but I get tired of the word of the word reset. You hear it all the time. Hillary Clinton made a big deal. Remember when she was Secretary of State, she flew to China and, or to Russia, and she had this thing, um, this box with a button on it, and they were both going to push it, and and the, she and the, her peer in in the Russian government, and they they got before the cameras and they pushed the button and the thing malfunctioned, and I was disastrous. I mean, it was stupid. But it seems like every dictator. Every wannabe leader, the enlightened ones, the progressives, doesn't matter whether it's Hitler or whether it's an enlightened progressive of the 1900s or the 2000s, they all get to the same place. They all want to reset because they want to rewrite history. They want to reset the values of the people under whom are put in servitude whether it's intellectual or physical. The first seven days of 2021 will determine the direction of America for at least a decade, probably more. I'm talking about this week. Tomorrow, Georgia will decide whether the U.S. Senate is controlled by the far-left radical Democratic Party or a rather confused 
Republican Party. But it's preferable, I can tell you for sure. Mr. and Mrs. Obama, <laughs> Oprah, a whole bunch of other far-left so-called luminaries of the left, they've been campaigning for the two radical far-left Senate candidates in Georgia. I talked about that just before I took the week off last week. And one of the programs we re-ran, I was talking about this as well. Wednesday, the Electoral College votes, that's day after tomorrow, will be formally presented to Congress for certification. Normally, that's just a kind of a perfunctory thing. They do it. It doesn't get much attention because they bring in these votes ceremoniously in these wooden boxes, and Congress approves the electoral vote. This time, not so much. As of yesterday, some say there's as many as 140 House Republicans. That's right, not two or three. 140 are expected to formally object to the votes, and between 11 and 16 senators are expected to join them, numbers well beyond the constitutional requirement to force discussion and a vote regarding the integrity of the ballot count of the presidential election. I don't know for sure what's going to happen. This isn't anything we've seen in our lifetime, I can tell you for sure. As many of you know, as many of you know, We live in turbulent times. With the chaos, the so-called pandemic, deepening culture war, 2020 produced more questions than answers. And the 2021 finds millions of Americans wondering what lies ahead, particularly regarding our faith and our freedoms. On New Year's Eve, President Trump spoke to the issues and the accomplishments. I'm not going to go over that today. I don't have the time. But I wrote an article today at faithandfreedom.us. Faithandfreedom.us. That's our website. It's and, A-N-D. And um, you can go there. And the article, some of what I'm talking about on the program today is in an article that I wrote. We write that every day, except when we take a week off. And um, I wrote it about this subject and I included President Trump's speech. It's about 13 minutes long. It's a little longer than the stuff I usually include by length. But we source all that we write about. And many people acknowledge that. And they mention it to me when they write to me. And they say, man, Gary, you really source it. Thank you for all the work that you guys do. And we do. Because truth is important. It is very important. In fact, that's what we're about, is trying to get to the truth from a biblical perspective, a very biased biblical perspective. I am not a progressive. I am not a moderate. I am a conservative. But most of all, we try to be biblical when we look at everything that's happening in our world today. So this thing is about 13 minutes long and 33 seconds, actually. 13 minutes and 33 uh, seconds. But it's worth the time to listen to if you haven't seen it, not to promote Trump, but just to give you an idea of what's really been happening over the last four years, and particularly even the last year. Author and poet Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote in one of his poems, he said, in part, Ring out the old, ring in the new. The year is going, let him go. Ring out the false, ring in the true. Isaiah the prophet said of the Lord, and he was talking about the end times when he said this. I mean, I want to put it in perspective, but this shows the Lord's view of things. 
that are in chaos, a culture that is in chaos. Isaiah the prophet was talking on behalf of the Lord, and he said, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That is the heart of God. The poet and the prophet both tell us to let go of the circumstances of the past to the degree that we can, the former things, because God is going to do a new thing. But God doesn't do resets. God has always been doing a new thing since creation. The prophet was inspired by God. The poet was not. But the poet understood the importance of knowing the truth. And we do not claim to be prophets of God as Isaiah. But we do strive to know the truth. Because the truth ultimately is Jesus Christ. And he sets us free. So many are asking, what does 2021 hold? What's going to happen this year? I think even old Lady Liberty that stands in the New York Harbor, the Statue of Liberty, I would suggest that she's probably looking at her own 2021 calendar, wondering the same thing. What's going to happen to this blessed, prosperous, exceptional nation in 2021? Well, tomorrow in Georgia... The people of Georgia, the state of Georgia, will decide which political party is going to control the United States Senate. It comes down to that. The two Democratic candidates are far, far left. I talked about that again prior to my week off, and we reran a program that talked about that again. These two people that are running for office as Democrats in, in Georgia, I mean, they're so far left, they make Nancy Pelosi a little concerned. And she's crazy to the left. Interesting, I looked it up and did a little research. Georgia Georgia really considers itself Christian. 79% of all the people that live in Georgia identify as Christian. 79%. 38% of those, of that 79%, identify as evangelical Christian. And by other questions that they've, they've answered in several different surveys, not just one, that means to them that they really do believe and with God's help practice what the Bible teaches in their personal life. That's how they identify themselves as evangelicals. The issue of life alone should decide this election if the people of Georgia vote according to how they say they believe. But what will be the corruption, the fraud in the voting mechanisms? I don't know. Both Democrat candidates are extremely pro-abortion, even though one of them is a pastor including the one he, Pastor Raphael Warnock, he's pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church If that's in Atlanta. If that sounds familiar, it is. Martin Luther King Sr. was the pastor there for years, and his son Martin Luther King Jr. helped him, and then Martin Luther King Jr. became the pastor of that church. But this guy that's there now is way out there. He went to Union Theological Seminary, which shouldn't even be called a seminary. It's so anti-Christ, anti-biblical. They're nuts. I've followed that seminary and watched some of the preachers and pastors they've produced over the years. It's pathetic. But he has repeatedly expressed himself and his belief that abortion is very consistent 
with Christianity and with Scripture. He has said, this Pastor Warnock has said repeatedly that he will always fight for reproductive justice. That's one of the several buzzwords for abortion. You know that. But how in the world can a state that calls themselves, 79% of them, Christian, elect either of these two people? Because they're both so far out there, they don't even even touch Scripture and Judeo-Christian values in their thinking or in what they practice and believe. They're both aggressively pro-abortion and both hold socialistic, not capitalistic views. Yet the polls from Georgia are saying that tomorrow it can go either way, that it's tied. How can it be tied in a state where 79% of people confess to be followers of Jesus Christ and 38% of those people say, yeah, I'm an evangelical? How does that work? I don't know. But those beliefs linked to the growing hostility toward biblical Christians and biblical teaching on the sanctity of life and marriage and marriage being only between a man and a woman, the rejection of same-sex relationships based on biblical teaching, that should cause the election to be won by those who claim to be biblical Christians. There shouldn't be a close race. If these people in Georgia really believe what they say they believe, we'll see. But should the Democrats win both both of them win, the Democrat Party will hold the majority in the Senate because it'll be tied in the vice president, and that is scheduled to be, but we'll see what happens on the 6th, on Wednesday. But the vice president is scheduled to be Kamala Harris, of all people. We'll learn more about that on later this week. But we're in the process here in America of not resetting. Every dictator that's swaggered across the stage of time and commonality in in the world, they've all wanted to push the reset button, not only Hillary Clinton, but every dictator, from Hitler to going clear back as far as we have history. They all pass by this button and they try to push it. Well, we're going to reset. We're going to create new truth. They have their own nomenclature, they have their own words, but it all comes down to the same thing. It's a rejection of God and a rejection of God's principles and God's truth. So here we go again. The reset. The Democrats are talking about reset. They can't hardly they can't hardly deliver a sentence or a paragraph without using the word reset at this point in time in America. So as we jump into twenty twenty one One of the things that I am committed to, and I I will tell you the commitment is stronger today than it was a week ago, simply because I've had the opportunity to take a little rest and recoup. But I will tell you that we're all about ringing out the false and ringing in the true in this year of 2021. When the Electoral College votes are carried into the chamber of our Congress for certification, as many as 140 Republican representatives, at least 11 of them, and as many as 16 senators plan to formally object to the votes based on allegations of election fraud. Boy, the news media has gone from being cocky over the last 10 days. They've gone from being cocky about this whole thing, and now they're, I mean, there's a, there's a sense of nervousness in the media. They thought they had Joe Biden. They had carried him in. He's not capable of walking in there himself intellectually. They had carried him into the 
Oval Office. And now they're going, wait a minute. We thought there might be two or three people, and we thought we had buried them deeply, put them under the carpet. Nobody was going to know about this, but here we are. 140 Republican representatives this week are going to object to the electoral vote. At least 16 Republican senators are going to do the same. These numbers are way beyond the one in each chamber that's required by the Constitution. Voter fraud, outright just lawlessness is found throughout this election. I have said many times, of course I supported Trump, but he wasn't my first choice in the primaries back in 2016. But of course I supported him, and I do. Would I have supported Hillary Clinton? I don't think so. My my faith in Christ and my belief in the Bible wouldn't allow me to do that. Because they believe in everything that Christianity and Judeo-Christian values represent. Senator James Langford said on Saturday over the weekend, he said he and others are proposing an electoral commission of 11 Republican senators who would look into all the irregularities of this last election. His proposal is modeled after a commission formed in 1877 to do something of the same, and nothing much like this has happened since 1877. Langford says we're demanding that we have a good, hard, serious look at this. We're doing our constitutional duty. But Senator Ted Cruz has a little bit different take on this. He's coming from the same place. He said yesterday, Ted Cruz, that he's established a coalition of 10 other Republican senators to challenge the results of the 2020 presidential election. Instead of simply objecting to the certification, his coalition, this week, they want to see a 10-day audit of the results after unprecedented, these are his words, allegations of voter fraud, violations, and lax enforcement of election law and other voting irregularities. Cruz said he wished the Supreme Court had taken this case. He said uh, they should have, and many of us agree. I agree. Cruz says that he had been asked if they would take the case to represent our side of it, and he said I had accepted The Supreme Court and its Chief Justice Roberts, who is supposed to be a conservative when Bush appointed him, he's anything but that. They couldn't find the courage to do their job, in my opinion. The far-left Obama court appointees, they rejoiced all along the far-left movement in the culture. I don't know what happened to the constitutionalists on that Supreme Court. They're profoundly disappointing. But the Supreme Court, they refused to hear the various cases that came before them. So Cruz is going to take it into his own hands. This is going to be a consequential consequential week. Biden, the Army announced over the weekend, will not even have an inaugural parade. It's been canceled. They'll blame it on COVID. I think it's that Biden is getting wondering what's going to happen. I don't know, but we'll see. A lot of questions. We'll be looking at those questions as we move forward this week and in the weeks to come. But here's one thing that I can tell you for sure. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. All hell may break out in this culture, but I can tell you with assurance that the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. And we'll be here every day, God willing, with your support to keep you informed and tell you what's going on. Together we can ring out the false and 
Ring in the true. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue 98009. I'll see you right here tomorrow.